Welcome to the new podcast for WGTS 91.9's Gateway Fellowship, a place that is about inspiring hope. You can find out more about us and hear more messages at mygatewayfellowship.com. You know, I want to just, just the, the theme, I love this theme, fear not is the title for tonight, but living life without fear. Isn't it awesome to think that in Christ that it is possible? But this world is so full of fear. And, you know, I was, I, was, I was preparing this. I ran across this story, and I thought it was pretty cool. This little boy, you know, was the thunderstorm's out, and he said, Mommy, Mommy, come, come crawl in the bed here with me. I'm scared. So she said, well, I'll come, and I'll tuck you in. And finally, the little boy, he's kind of nodding off. He said, Mommy, will you stay in here all night? And she said, Honey, I can't. I need to go climb in bed with your daddy. And he looked at her, Hmm, Really? So he put the covers over his head, and his mom got up and started to walk out of the room. She said, tell Daddy he's a big sissy. (laughs) Not to be afraid. You know, I don't know if you guys realize it, but there is hundreds of phobias. I'm I'm just going to share some of these with you. There's uh, amexophobia, which is the fear of riding in a car. Dentophobia, which one do you think that is? Fear of dentists. Okay, let me make sure that I get this one right. Plutophobia. Now, I have never had this problem. It's the fear of wealth. (laughs) You know, just try me. Just give me me some of that 640 million. Let me see if I'm I'm afraid of it. Then there's, uh, okay, tropophobia. Fear of making change. Not not like dollars into quarters, but the fear of actually changing something in your life. Then there's uh, lachnophobia, which is the fear of vegetables. Yes, I am very afraid of vegetables. And then there is ecclesiophobia. What do you think that one is? Ecclesiophobia. Come on. Church. The fear of church. Okay, and this is my favorite one of all of them. Make sure, make sure you hear this right. Palatophobia, which is the fear of bald people. Okay, I'm not kidding you. That's really what it says. That's, that's what it is. But there's so many different fears that we have. And you know, you, you, you know, have you ever had somebody tell you, oh, don't be afraid? And you want to say, well, why don't you come do this then if it's that easy? <laughs> I remember years ago when I was living in Tennessee, there was some blue holes out in the, in the, we'd go up in the wilderness there up in the mountains outside of Chattanooga, Tennessee, and we would cliff jump 20, 30 feet into these blue holes. And I remember the first time I got up there and somebody said, Quit, don't be afraid. <laughs> yeah, right. It's easy for you to say. And, and, they, and I said, I'm not doing it. Of course, all my friends are doing it. And then somebody went and pushed me off the edge. And I hit my back on the way down. And I, all I could think of when I got down there is I'm going to get him when I get back up there. But, but see, everybody says, oh, no, you know, face your fears. You ever been told that? Face your fears? Well, it's easy to say that, but it's another thing to do it. So I just want to share with you a, a, a perspective on a biblical story that you know very well, but I want to give you three points to take away from it tonight. I like to boil things down to the basics. I'm going to run through the story with you, and then we're going to highlight it. Boom, boom, boom. I'm going to tie it up in a bow. We're going to sing a song, and you're going to go home. Hopefully, you'll be challenged for the week. The story I want to share with you is David and Goliath. Now, it's everybody's favorite story. We, we think about it in terms of perspective. Like tonight, if you are an NCAA March Madness fan, 
David, Louisville, is facing Goliath, Kentucky. So we'd like to draw those comparisons. I'm going to set the table for you. The Philistines were the Israelites' enemy. The Philistines were their nightmare, their problem, their never-ending go-away issue that was there, ever-present. And they had a guy that was mean, big, and tough by the name of Goliath. Now, this is how the Message Bible interprets the Hebrew. A giant nearly 10 feet tall, Goliath. He had a bronze helmet on his head, and he was dressed in armor that weighed 126 pounds. Now, I'm sure we have a few people in here that weigh only 126 pounds. His armor was 126 pounds. It said his spear tip alone weighed 15 pounds. His spear tip. This was a big dude. Goliath would go out there every day. Forty days he did this in a row. Hey, why not send your whole army? Am I not enough for you? It's like saying, come on, one of me is going to take on all of you. Just come on. Come on. And all the Israelite army, they're like, yeah, right. Yeah. Hey, don't be afraid. Go get him. I'll go right after you. No, no, you, you go. I, I, you have seniority. You should go first. And he goes out there and he mocks him day after day. And Saul says, you know, if I can just get one man who won't be afraid to go out there and fight this dude, we'll be settled. I can't even get an army to go fight this guy. Finally, this little pipsqueak shows up. David. Now, I'm not going to go into a lot about David, but we do know this. David was the one who was the leftover when Samuel went looking for the king. Because God said, you are going to go to the house of Jesse, and you're going to find my king. And he went past every son. And Samuel said, that looks like the one. And God said, no, that's not the one. That looks like, that must be the one. And finally, after all the sons had gone by, Samuel said, well, there's nothing else to look at here. And he said, do you have any more? I have one son. But, but, but Jesse didn't even think enough to bring his son David in to be looked at. But you don't care. You don't need him. He's, he's kind of wimpy. He's, he's just a little boy. David comes in and Samuel hears in his heart, this is the man who I've picked to be the king, to follow Saul. So little David, the pipsqueak, now is is running errands for father. He is sent to go see his brothers who are in the army of the Israelites facing this giant. Every day they hear it. Every day they get mocked. Every day they go to bed to wake up the next morning. Forty days in a row they're being told they're failures. Forty days in a row they're being challenged by the fear looking at them with two eyes 10 feet tall, saying, come get me. Come get me, if you dare. So David, you know, he, he, he walks in. He says, hey, you know, what's going on? You know, it's kind of lonely out there on the ranch. Well, there's this giant. You know, his, his name is Goliath, and you ought to hear him. And so David, he goes up, and he starts listening. Hey. How dare you let that man talk about my Lord like that? 
How long are you guys going to hang around and let him talk like that? I mean, little David, the pipsqueak, is telling the men of Israel, how long are you going to hang around and act like, like you're afraid? When are you going to do something? And his brothers, they said, what are, what are you doing here? You know, go, go, go home. Aren't there some skinny sheep for you to, to take care of? And, and David said, what would it, what, what, what's in it for the man who will stand up to him? And they said, <laughs> the man who stands up to him, he will get, he, <laughs> you know what he's going to get? The king says, I'll give that man my own daughter to marry. I'll give him riches, and he's going to get a free ride for the rest of his life in my kingdom. But all that's going through David's mind is simply this. Why is that man trash-talking my God? Why is he talking about my God like that? So he says, I'll do it. (laughs) You? Me. But I'm taking somebody with me. God. So... He go, they, they take him into Saul, and Saul, Saul you know, he, they said, Saul, <clears throat> king, we have somebody who says that they will fight the giant. Well, bring him on in. And so David walks in, you know, and Saul says, well, where's the guy? Bring him on in. Well, here he is. No, no, really, quit joking. Where's the man who's going to fight? Because he ought to be at least eight or nine feet tall to go up against the ten-foot-tall giant. They said, no, no, this, this guy right here, this little five-foot-five Skinny guy, you know, looks like a bean pole. He's going to do it. Saul just says, do you, do, you, do you even know what you're getting yourself into? Do, do, have you gone out to assess the situation and looked at this, this giant? Because he even scares me, and I ain't going out there. So they have a little conversation, and I want you to hear this very carefully. Saul said, you know what, if you're going to do it, why don't you put my armor on, at least go out prepared? So he gets his armor. They put it on David. David starts walking around like this. Oh, well, this is a little bit uncomfortable. Let me see if I can pick up the sword. Oh, well, uh, you know what? King, if you don't mind, um, let's leave the armor behind. You can just hear Saul right now saying to his guys, hey, you need to get the body bag ready if there's anything to scoop up when he's finished. You see, Saul needed to be very careful what he did here, and I'll tell you why. Because the, Goliath had said, if I defeat you, you are mine, and you belong to us. But if you defeat me, all of my Philistine Brothers and people will belong to you. So Saul knew that if I'm going to play this bet, i got to play it right. And there's no way in the world I'm going to send out this scrawny kid and let him be and have to write a letter home to his father and say, I sent your son out on a suicide mission. So he outfit him and it didn't work out. David said, you know what, I'll tell you what, I've got an idea. Let me handle it God's way. So he walks out and he gets prepared. He's Stoops down and he grabs how many stones? Five stones. Five stones and he puts them in his pouch. You've been too busy working on your doctorate. I don't expect you to. 
<laughs> it was a trick question. <laughs> he, Terry accidentally said three stones. But, but even my six-year-old knew it was five. <laughs> you know, you got to love this. He, he picked up five stones. I'm going to tell you why here in a minute. But he picked him up and he, and, and he walks up and, and glides. Hey, whoa! <laughs> what are you doing here? Are you the appetizer? <laughs> no. I've come to fight you. And look at this. Goliath said, oh, am I a dog that you come after me with a stick? Come on, I'll make roadkill out of you. I'll turn you into a tasty morsel for all the critters. This is out of the Message Bible, by the way. David answered, listen, you come at me with sword and spear and battle axe, but I come at you in the name of God of the angel armies, the God of Israel's troops whom you curse and mock. This very day, God is handing you over to me. I'm about to kill you. Cut off your head and serve up your body and the bodies of your Philistine buddies to the crows and coyotes. The whole earth will know that there is an extraordinary God in Israel. And everyone gathered here will learn that God doesn't save by means of sword or spear, but the battle belongs to the Lord. That's in 1 Samuel 17, if you want to go home and read it again. That roused the Philistine. Boy, Goliath started, boom, boom, boom. And David just took that, just stood there. said, Lord, this is your stone. This is your battle. Put it in a sling. Right in the head of Goliath. And it says that Goliath just kind of did this. Boom. Down. And just for added measure, David cut his head off and gave it to the king. There's three things that I want you to take from this story. You say, oh, I've heard it all. I've heard this story before. Good. Then you'll remember these three points. Because when you're facing fear and you're wondering what to do, you remember this. Number one, point number one, David's past success gave him faith and confidence in God's strength in the future. You remember when they questioned David's ability, he said, listen, when lions and bears have come to attack my sheep, I have grabbed them by the neck and killed them. Now, I don't know how many of you have ever killed a lion or a bear with your bare hands, but I've never done it and I don't think I ever will. But David knew if God gave me the ability to do this, he will give me the ability to do that. If he's given me the ability in my past to accomplish these things and learn not to fear, then I know as I face my future, I do not need to fear at all because he will guarantee my success. So that's point number one. Point number two, the world has their opinion of how you should conquer your fear, but the only true method is to put your faith in God and have courage. You see, Saul said the only way that you can go and fight this man is if you put my armor on. If you do it my way, all the soldiers around there, they had their ideas of the way David ought to do it. But David finally, when it was all said and done, said, I'll tell you what, let me do it God's way. So when the world says, hey, we got an idea, say, you know what? I like this quote. Listen to this quote by Mark Batterson, pastor of National Community Church here in Washington, D.C. 
He says this. I love this quote. I'd rather have one God idea than a thousand good ideas of my own. Can I get an amen? Amen. So the world says, hey, we got a thousand ideas. David said, no, no, I got one, and it's God's. It'll work. Trust me. And number three, point number three, God gives courage but counts on our preparation to succeed. Are you hearing me? You can't just go willy-nilly, blindly, and flying into the face of your fear. You need to sometimes listen to God and be prepared. You see, Goliath had brothers. We find reference to it in 2 Samuel 21, 22. He had four brothers that were just as big as he was. How many stones did he pick up, David? Five. One for Goliath, four for the brothers. You go in facing your fears prepared, and God will grant success. This is a quote by Ralph Waldo Emerson. Whatever you do, you need courage. Whatever course you decide upon, there is always someone to tell you you are wrong. There are always difficulties arising to tempt you to believe your critics are right. To map out a course of action and follow it to the end requires some of the same courage that a soldier needs. Peace has its victories, but it takes brave men and women to win them. In closing, I want to just share a personal story. It has been almost 20 years ago. Now, for those of you who who have gotten to know who I am, been where I've pastored or read my blogs, website, I pastor with Community Praise Center, 7th Adventist Church. I worship on Saturday. I had gone back in 1991 to Southern College to go to school for my theology degree. I went six months and dropped out. I left shortly thereafter to go to work on Saturdays at a car dealership. Because that was the only way they said I was going to get the job. And I said, nah, you know what? I'm tired of faith and religion and church anyways. Well, it had gone on for a little while. And, and God has a sense of humor. And one day, I was in the mall. And I ran into a lady who was, worked at the ABC. And next to her was her beautiful daughter. Now, I was a single guy at the time. And I thought, she's a very pretty girl. And so I got the nerve to get the phone number and make the phone call. Next day, I called her up, and I said, you know, <clears throat> this is Dean, and I'm, I'm, you know, I'm wondering if you'd like to go out. She says, well, I don't really know you that well, but why don't you come to church, and I'll get to know you. So I said, well, I don't know really how I'm going to do that, because I work on Saturdays. Saturdays are the busiest day of the week in the car, car business. And she said, well, no church, no date. Oh, she was beautiful too. Guys, you can, you know, you can resonate. A beautiful woman, she challenges you. Like, okay, well, all right, I'll figure out how to make this work. So I actually figured it out. I I just didn't call in. I I didn't show up. And this was back before there were cell phones, so I couldn't be reached. And I went to church, and as soon as church was over, running down the road, going to work. And they, 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 they said, where have you been? They all knew I was a former they called me former Adventist. Gra- Grazer, grass eater was my nickname because they thought I was vegetarian until I brought hamburgers in to work one day. And uh, they said, where were you? I said, I went to church. I said, ha, that's funny, get to work. So the next week, I, you know, I, I finally, I called her up and I said, now, I was, uh, can we go out? Oh, no, no, you, you need to come to church a few more weeks. I don't know you that well. 
Like, oh, great, I don't have time for this, but she's worth it. And, and, and so, you know, I start week after week and f- for over a month. I just kind of jetted out of work, didn't go, and went to church and came back. And that happened for about a month and a half. And finally, one day I got back, and my boss said, you need you come in my office right now. Today is the day that you will decide if you want to work here or not. Now, I just want to let you know what was riding on this. At this time, working at the car dealership, I did not own my own car. I used a dealer's car. I did not have my own car. If I lost my job, I'd have no way to get to work anywhere. I was almost broke, barely making it as it was. And so I knew that I was going to, if I said, if I did something stupid, I was going to be without a job, without a car, and without a place to live real quick. And I sat there and I wrestled with it. And I said, what do you want? He goes, I want you to start getting to work on Saturdays, but I'm going to make a deal with you. Now, I grew up Seventh-day Adventist. I grew up with the conviction in my heart that the day of worship that God set up was Saturday Friday night sundown to Saturday night sundown. That was my conviction. But he said, I'll make a deal with you. I'll let you come in at 2 o'clock every Saturday afternoon so you can go have your little church time and, 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 and do your thing with God, and then you come in here to work and you sell me some cars. And I remember I, I had the keys to my, my demo car in my hands. And I, I'm thinking, here's my out. I can kind of do it halfway. I had been convicted in my heart. Everything you knew as a kid, everything you grew up with, everything you went to school to be a pastor, you need to do what's right. But I was afraid of what would happen if I did what was right. I didn't even know how I'd get home. And I said to him, here's my keys. I quit. And he came and he actually, he actually gave me the keys back and he said, okay, how about three o'clock? And I said, well, we close at five. What does it do to, what good does it do for me to be even there? And he, and he said, no, three o'clock. And I said, here's my keys. And I, and I walked into my office and I said, God, I don't know what you got me doing here. I don't know what you got me doing. This is, this is just, I don't know what to do. And I had a piece of paper on my desk that I needed to take over to the used car lot. So I grabbed that piece of paper, Terry, and, uh, and I said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to run over. Somebody give me a ride over the used car lot and, and drop me off. It was across the street. So I went over there, and I, was, I, I just had this conviction. I mean, here, I, I really literally saw my living on the streets in about two weeks. Didn't know what I was going to do. And I was, I was a little bit upset with God. I thought, this isn't how you're supposed to do things. But as I was dropping that piece of paper off to the manager of the used car lot, he said, what's, what's up, Waterman? And I said, man, I've just had one of the worst days ever. And he said, what's wrong? And I said, do you know anything about Seventh-day Adventists? And he said, I only know one thing about Seventh-day Adventists. And I thought, oh, great, here we go. He said, they are the best people I've ever had work for me in all the time I've been in the car business. And he had been doing it for 40 years. And I said, I know I haven't, I said, you're not going to believe this, but I'm a Seventh-day Adventist. He said, you? 
You work on Saturdays. And I said, yeah, but that was wrong. And I've been convicted of otherwise. And I just turned in my keys. He said, you mean you're making a stand for your principles? And I said, yeah. And I ain't got a car. And I don't have, I want to have a job. And I don't know what I'm going to do. And he goes, I'll tell you what. You go out on that lot right now and you pick out whatever car you want to drive home. And you start working for me on Sundays and you've got a job over here. Face your fears and fear not. Because God knows your future. And the world says, man, you can't do it that way. Well, Satan says, I'll I'll meet you in the middle. Just, Just compromise a little bit. So I don't know what you got going on in your life, where you're at, what, what you're facing, but I want, to give you the, the, I want to give you some encouragement as you leave here tonight. Fear not. Because you might not have a literal 10-foot physical Goliath standing in front of you, but I'll bet you've got something greater and far bigger in your life than even that. That is a Goliath to you, but God says, I'm standing with you. You pick up that stone, you arm your sling, and you make that step, and I will give you the success to see it through. And you can't beat that kind of a commitment from a God of the universe who says, I've been there, I am there, I will be there, and I'll see you through. Fear not. Wherever life's journey is taking you, we hope you can find a home at Gateway Fellowship, a ministry of WGTS 91.9. We'd love for you to visit us sometime. Services happen each Saturday evening at 6. You can learn more about us and get more podcasts at mygatewayfellowship.com.